Hi guys, welcome today uh, to another episode of SG Explain. Today we have a very exciting topic, Rovic. Yeah, we're going to be talking about something slightly sticky, but I think uh, a lot of Singaporeans have it on their minds, uh, especially with a recent news article that came out about ESM Go. Uh, we're going to be talking about salaries today. Oh, great. Yeah, salaries, money. Uh, I like to talk about yeah. money. Uh, yeah, salaries. Well, let's see. Uh, where do we start? Salaries. Maybe we ask everyone a question. Since we are talking on the topic of ESM Go, Right. Uh, and of course, about minister salaries. That's kind of a touch, touchy subject nowadays. Right. But maybe let's ask everyone uh, this first question. I'll ask this question again. But please, if you have a, you have, if you have a comment or something, please uh, put it into the comment section so that we can answer your questions as well about today's topic. Today's topic about salaries. Uh, and our first question today will be: How much should the prime minister be paid? That's, what do you think? Uh, that's a very difficult question. I actually like the current number. Okay. Uh, if for for comparison's sake, currently uh, the number that's being put is two point two million. Okay. Annually. Okay. Uh, and but what do you think the 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 prime minister should be paid? Or maybe maybe I shouldn't ask you. Maybe we should just leave it to the audience. Yeah. Let's let's right. let's let's, right. let's we, unfold we, this. We topic. want to find out. Okay, guys. If you leave a comment about this, please answer to specific numbers. What do you think uh, our prime minister of Singapore should be paid? Physically in numbers, what is that number? So that we can find out more. Um, and of course, if you like what we have today, please uh, like and share our, our video. That's very important, right? Yep. Like and share. So, okay. Before I begin, let me also share um, this entire thing so that people know what's going on on my wall as well. Uh, have you have you done that? Oh, I'll do that too. Okay. Um, yeah, so for people who are listening in, we are currently on Apple Podcasts as well. So if you want to check us out uh, on your commute or while you're at the gym, you can easily download what we're doing. Uh, and it's it. easy to find us uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Okay. So, Okay, great. So, yeah. So um, if, if you're listening in, guys, uh, today's topic is about salaries. And we are going to dive right in. All right. Okay. So salaries. Okay, that's the first thing. All right. Uh, before we begin on salaries, actually, that's a very important thing to know, which is salaries is actually one form of pay. If you didn't know, there are actually many different kinds of pay. Um, pays is, for example, you could have wages. Okay. Salaries is one. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just got my first job, and I know that I have... Uh, a monthly salary that's something mm. i get i i get benefits is that considered is that considered pay as well i i suppose yeah it's something that uh you are being rewarded for or remunerated for your effort and time okay that's i suppose is a form of payment right for uh, what what you've done what, benefits are a form of payment all right is uh insurance considered pay uh it is a form of benefit so i suppose it's a form of pay okay yeah benefit that to you so you're being paid uh, a certain value, right? And insurance is a value that you take home as well. Right. So you're being paid for that effort as well, or okay. just just because you belong to the company as well. Right. So, um, do you know the difference between salary and uh salary and pay? Oh, sorry, salary and wages. Okay, this I this I think I know. So is wage more of an hourly thing? Okay. Uh, and salaries are more of a long term, like either monthly or or annual kind of, of of payment, whereas a wage you just get paid at an hourly rate. So you're thinking more 
and like uh, part-time or, or temp worker kind of space mm-hmm. or even like the low income, uh, like high labor kind of space. Yeah, sure. So, um, of course, we have the magic Wikipedia or dictionary to help us out with sure. this. So a wage is a monetary compensation paid by employer to an employee in exchange for work done. And payment can be calculated as a fixed amount of each task completed. For example, an hourly or daily wage, which you just said, sure. or based on the easily measured quantity of work done. So that is wage. Essentially, it's the amount of things you produce or the amount of time uh, by the hour that you spend on that particular uh, uh, project. Or so work. when we talk about uh, payment in Singapore, yeah. I hear a lot of people talking about about the wage of, of the median Singaporean. Should we, is that accurate or are we, are we basically talking about two different things? Uh, the wage or I suppose it, it, it really, I think in, in, in our time, it seems like wage and salary has been interchangeably used. Right. Um, but if we were to be really, uh, de- uh, really, really accurate about it, uh, there's a difference between wage and salary. Right. So now that we know what wage is, salary is essentially, uh, of course, once again, referencing is it's a fixed amount of money or compensation paid to an employee by an, uh, by an employer in return for work performed. Okay. And salary is salary is commonly paid in fixed intervals. So, for example, in the month of May, June, right. July. So, by the month, for example, monthly payments of one twelfth of the annual salary, for right. example, and in each of these months. Now, the difference is that if you were to take a wage, an hourly wage, if you uh, do an overtime, you will be paid for that overtime uh, hours that we spend. Okay. Um, that sounds uh, good. Yeah. Uh, but if you're on a salary, uh, chances are you might not actually be compensated for those amount of overtime because you're just allocated the interval in which you're working in that period. Oh, so does that mean that as long as I'm getting paid a salary, I will be expected to put in overtime without uh, i'm expected in fact to to put in some overtime if it's necessary uh, i think it really depends on the organization that you work with but essentially a salary is something that you're working in a specific interval like a month okay yeah and in which your effort now whether the work entails you to work overtime or uh, less time or maybe to complete a piece of work right. and if you can do it a lot faster and they'll come to office you'll still pay the salary as well so i found something interesting actually when i talk to my friends in the u.s a lot of times when they talk about salaries, they give a lump number for the annual salary. Yeah. Whereas in Singapore, we always talk about it in terms of the monthly salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I have a reason, but I... I okay, let us hear that. That's, that's pretty interesting. And you know what? That actually crossed my mind a few times, but I never really asked this question. But I think so. I think it's because of the way that we do bonuses in Singapore. Okay. So in Singapore, we do a 13th month bonus. Okay. Right? And what happens is that we are basically given at the end uh, either halfway through the year or at the end of the year, we are basically announced by the CEO or whoever is in charge of determining bonuses that a certain amount is given based on performance or economic outlook. But in the US, that bonus is predetermined. Okay. So they don't actually vary the bonus too much and it's kind of split up into your into your monthly pay. Okay. So you are given a lump sum as an indicator of how much you'll be paid in total uh, and, and that's kind of what people work with. They don't really think about it in a monthly sense. I see. I see. That's that's pretty interesting. I think culturally a bit different as well because of certain policies as well. That we do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I don't know, but I have a reflex of always looking at pay as a monthly uh, number and never really an annual number. Right. Yeah. So, that, but I suppose 
yeah, different cultural context. Yeah, you you study in the U.S. Definitely, you have that insight as well. Right, and I th- and I think that's probably a good prelude to to this whole thing because I think a lot of us assume that salaries and wages are mm. objective conversations that mm. you know the market should determine it. But I, the more I was doing research for this topic, I realized that it's a huge element of culture uh, mm. and and society that is that is important to talk about. Mm. Uh, mm. And I think if we don't talk about it in that context we kind of lose sense of why this is an, an SG conversation, right? We're talking about SG explained, sure. right? So, sure. so I, I think, I think uh, we'll definitely be talking about that later, about what exactly is going to be the considerations for determining somebody's salary, for example. So right. we, we'll, we'll be talking about that right now. But in the meantime, for those who are just joining in, uh, and hi, I see a lot of people joining in today. Very uh, cool. Yeah. So, Hello. Hey, hi, hi, guys. <laughs> so today we are talking about salaries today and of course we have one important question you want to ask before we continue and if you have the answer please leave it in the comment section today's question is how much do you think the prime minister of singapore should be paid so let me repeat that how much do you think the prime minister of singapore should be paid and you need to give us a physical number please don't give us hypotheticals of what considerations there are give us a what you think is that number going to be currently our prime minister is drawing how much 2.2 2.2 million. 2.2 million Sing dollars, right? Yes. Yeah. Annually. So that's, that's his salary. Uh, so please, please leave in the comment section. Now let's, let's continue. And then of course, now of course we have discussion about what wages are, right. what salary, uh, what right. salary is and the essentially two very different things. Um, of course there are, of course there are different kinds of pay as well. There's also commission. Right. For example, if you're working in a sales job, that's commission. That's piece rates, for example, for certain things that you produce. So that there are little, uh, for example, how, how many items do you produce piece rates? Bonuses, what's, profit sharing. What's an industry where piece rates would be applicable? Oh my, I, I'm not too sure. Maybe maybe you can help me find that out sure. as well. <laughs> but All in right. the meantime, uh, okay, good question. Definitely yeah. want to come back to that. Uh, bonuses, profit sharing, uh, merit pay, stock options are also another form of uh, And that's huge in startups especially. Because exactly. Where people don't really have the ability to pay uh comparable uh, upfront payment. Yeah. Then stock options are a way of promising work with future outcomes. Yeah, definitely. I I don't actually, I don't really see that much in, in this part of the world. I mean, in Singapore, we don't really hear much about stock options in startups. Uh, Most of the time people are paid with a set of form, like a salary. Maybe they do, but I just not exposed to it. Right. Right. I found, I found the answer for piece rates. So piece rates is basically where payment is not dependent on hours worked but okay. on quantity produced. Right, right. So for example, if you were going to, uh, for example, a lace maker and you told her, I want 500 pieces of lace. Okay. Instead of charging you by the hour, she'll say, I'll charge you $2 per lace. Yes. So that's called piece work. Oh, cool. Piece rates. Do you see that in Singapore? Uh, I don't know. I think if you were... 15 bowls of Mipok. Sure. <laughs> and you get paid five bucks. Is that how, is that how it works? Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably, and maybe yeah, because they don't really get a wage. No one's paying right. them. They basically, well, they also consider entrepreneurs. I see. So, okay. so it's, it's a very mixed bag, but I think the mentality works more if you're, if you're really thinking about independent suppliers for mm. all this kind of stuff. Mm-mm. Right. Mm. Cool. Yeah. In fact, I, I think the last time I, I started this very small, uh, f- f- flower arrangement thing for Valentine's Day was, you did that? Yeah. It's a situational business. Right. I mean, Valentine's Day was coming, we could make a profit from flowers. You're the true entrepreneur. Right. <laughs> and I actually paid one of these, um, these this nice friend of mine right. uh, for every bouquet that she helped me to uh, to, to make. 
I'll give her, for example, uh, money for that particular bouquet. Yeah. So, so that's a piece, right? I think yeah. that's a piece, yeah. right? So, okay, that's cool. Uh, of course, um, you have other things like benefits. We talked about that, right? Uh, dental insurance, medical, vacation, lease, retirement. I think these are things that are forms of pay. Right? Yeah, and I think I think a lot of us forget that that is actually something that we get for the work that we put in. Mm. So it is actually tied to the amount of input that we put in. And a lot of people just take it as a privilege. They say, this is something that the employer ought to give me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's completely right. I, I think mm-hmm. in some ways, there are certain things that an employer ought to provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, basic safety. And like, for example, if you're commuting uh, for the purpose of work. So right. if you're going from your office to a meeting. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing that if not mm-hmm. for work. So I should get covered for that. But insurance uh, and, and vacation and lease, yeah, these are things that, that are part of the employment package. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that's another important thing. Right. And, and of course, uh, most recently, uh, people have been paying others in exposure I think uh, that <laughs> I'm, I've gotten that people have tried to pay me an exposure before. Oh, cool. uh, I want to hear that. that. I mean, so some of you guys may know that I used to, uh, I used to basically be the front face of the hidden good for a while. Okay. Uh, and we, we did social experiments uh, and people would sometimes message us and be like, Hey, we want to do this project. And we'd say, okay, cool. Uh, we don't really need a lot of money, but we have a certain cost mm, that we need to mm, cover. Mm, uh, mm. And people would be like, Oh, but this is a charity. Uh, and the follow-up question would be, well, could you at least cover the cost, right? right? At no, no profit, just cost. Uh, and then the exposure conversation happens. So, I see. Uh, it's always very difficult because right. there is this uh, ethical burden that, that someone has to carry. Mm. Uh, and I think that's it's very inappropriate. But I actually think there's a lot of conversations about this, uh, especially in the arts, uh, mm. creative arts. So, for example, uh, anyone who does graphic design, photography, uh, any kind of performance arts, mm. um, they struggle with this a lot. So, I suppose I suppose this is the why people are paying in expo- exposure dollars is because maybe they don't really know the true value of that service right. or product that they that they are engaging in. I I, I I have developed the principle for myself, which I think uh, I want to carry on forward. And that is, if I do care about something, I'm going to pay for it. Okay. Right. And regardless of whether that's a friend. And in fact, especially if that's a friend. In exposure dollars? No. In, <laughs> in, in, in dollar dollars. Oh, in dollar dollars. In, okay. in, 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 in money, money. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it's important because you want your friend to get paid for his or her work. Right. Right. Uh, so, so you got to lead the way. Okay. Sure. Not paid in friendship, I suppose. Uh, friendship, friendship is a puck. Okay. Sure. <laughs> and of course, um, in historical, there are, where where things where people work for fourteen years just to be just for payment and blessing to have the person's hand in marriage. I think that's in the Bible. Uh, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, the list goes on. There are many ways of paying people. Right. And of course, today we we were specifically covering about salaries. All right. Right. So let's talk about a little bit about the history of salaries. All right. And where actually his, this this concept of salary is from. Wasn't it always a thing? Uh, actually, no. Be- I think historically, the, the idea of salaries and, and has, has a few things, okay? Number one is that uh, it presupposes the existence of an organized employer. That's one. Okay. And number two is that it has to be regular enough, uh, regular enough basis to constitute a salary work. So these are the two points. Essentially, you need an organization of sorts to be able to say that I'm giving a salary. Mm-hmm. And then essentially you need to have a specific time frame 
in which that a person is working on a regular interval. Okay. Yeah. And that's, I suppose, if you were to look at that, I would say that maybe from the first uh, city or village or an organization that starts, you're looking at that, that would be the, that would be the premise oh, wow. and beginning. You're going all the way to ancient yeah, history. Of course. Okay. That, that, that's essentially the concept of selling. I mean, in the past, people could probably just snatch a, a cow or two and then just say, hey, this is the amount you're being paid for. Here, right. here goes a cow tie, for example. But if, if you're given a regular amount of work at a regular consistent salary, that really determines something that is really consistent. Right. Kind of it's, work. It's, mm. What does the word salary actually mean? Does it mean mm. anything? Yeah, sure. Oh, good that you asked this. Actually, the word uh, in Latin, the word for salary is salarium. Oh, that's an actual. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Right. Uh, if we have anybody with uh, Latin majors, please don't. Yeah, uh, you're classic folk. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the word salarium originally meant salt money, and I suppose from this salt money. Yeah, uh, or or rather, pe- uh, people believe that the money uh, salary was from the word salarium, which meant salt money. So, were people getting paid in salt? Yeah. So it, you have the terms like, "Are you worth your?" Your, are you uh, worth once salt is an example ah. yeah and of course um well of course some some mainstream sources disagree with that notion and they say that it likely derives from this word called go solidus which then of course translates to are you worth your weight in gold mm. very interesting yeah so salary i think has been packed to physical objects for example salt or gold and either right. way but essentially i, I think these are terms that uh, they have gone on and now we are using it as a regular word, like salary, for example. Right? right. So, I mean, a good question would be, are you worth your weight in salt or are you worth your weight in gold? I want to, <laughs> I'm a bit biased. I'm probably going to go gold. Okay, uh, sure. Because we have enough salt. Well, it's pretty salty by itself. Oh, okay, so, okay <laughs> More gold, more gold for real thing, all right? I eat a lot, so I love salt. Yeah, I love uh, salty stuff. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, of course, in this context today, we're talking about the history of Singapore salaries, right? Right, because it's after all, as you explained. But so let's 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 have an idea of salaries in Singapore historically. Okay. Okay. And maybe what's that physical number that we experienced in the last maybe twenty years? Right. Okay. So in twenty, oh sorry, in nineteen ninety seven, the average salary uh, in Singapore was about. Two thousand to three thousand dollars. So that's is, an average. So you use the word average. Okay. So yeah. I think it's important here because I've been reading a lot of articles and I've seen median, I've seen average, and I've seen all kinds of numbers being thrown around. Yeah. So we should distinguish. So for people who know their basic statistics, you yeah. probably know where I'm getting at. But a median is basically the middle number. Right. So that means if middle you take population, if you yeah. take everyone in Singapore and you put them mm. in a line mm. and you would take the, the person right in the middle, right. that's, that's the his, or, his or her salary. Yeah. What's the average? So average could be the fact that this guy may be a low-wage earner and this guy could be earning like 15, 20, 30 times. And when you average it out, it might give you a number. Okay. So it might skew upwards because of, for example, that person really paid a lot. In another context, it could be it could skew downwards because you have a larger pool of people who are paying a bit lower. Right. So an average is is really the sum of all the numbers and not really about the population and what is the person in the middle earning. Okay. Yeah. So, but to, just to give an idea, right? And I think these are data that we can pull or we can't pull from from, from our current time right now. Right. But what we understand is that uh, in 1997, the average salary in Singapore is between two thousand to three thousand dollars. That's how it is. Okay. Yeah. And guess what? In 
2017, which is just last year, right? The average salary is actually between $5,000 to $6,000. So that's around a 250%. Well, you're fast. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's times 250%. Wow. So yeah. 150% increase. So in the span of 20 years, we have increased our salary by almost 150%. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty incredible, I would say. Uh, so of course, we would say that we need to factor in things like inflation, uh, different, sure. yeah, different kinds of work or high value kinds of work that we are getting. So shifts in maybe from, uh, laborers work to much more, uh, higher thinking kind of work. Right. So these, these are things, but essentially this is the averages of, uh, of Singapore salaries right. from the, the 20 years. I'll say something though. I, so I took a, I took a grab on my way, uh, to this chat. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. I mean, of course I was talking to, uh, the grab driver as, as I normally like to. Mm. And I wasn't surprised again, he, uh, the conversation resorted to, we're not getting paid enough. In Singapore. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's funny because when I told people that I was doing this conversation, a lot of them were like, why, why even bother? The answer is simple. Everyone's not getting paid enough. <laughs> uh, five to, five to $6,000 as the average. So mm. that, so you're basically saying that anyone, regardless of age is getting paid an average of five to six thousand dollars yes what do you think is that enough is that what, what do we how do we determine that i i think this is really difficult question to answer and it really is a complex question right because it really determines what kind of lifestyle you want to go for mm-hmm. what actually are your basic needs how many people do you have to feed at home uh, i think this 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 conversation this question really is something that uh, it's not easy to be answered in just one sentence. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I feel if you say $5,000 to $6,000 is enough, if we were to compare mainly to people with the $5,000, $6,000 range, I suppose it'd be a good question to be asked is, uh, who are the bulk of these people? Uh, where do they work within the $5,000, $6,000 range? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of lifestyles are they holding? And what kind of, uh, what kind of jobs are they holding? Right. Yeah. And, and that way we'll get an idea at least on the shape of how, uh, the, uh, these people are in, in this specific pen. Yeah. I, is it, is it really, it, it, I suppose this question of we are not being paid enough really is a question of who is asking this question. Is it somebody that is below the average of $5,000, $6,000 a month? Uh, is it, uh, is it really the people who are, uh, very well, uh, well, um, not very well off, for example. Or, right. Yeah. Or pe- it's in an impression that people may have. I, I think this is a really difficult question. Though. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we have collected some numbers okay. that may be very useful to go through. Sure. Uh, so we've done private sector. Okay. We've done civil sector. Uh, and, and really you've done the hard job of looking at the political <laughs> sector. All right. Uh, so let's, let's, let's dive in. Sure. Okay. Um, but before we go in, um, earlier on, we asked this question and I asked people to leave comments in the, uh, in the comment section. Really, the first question is, how much do you think our prime minister should be earning in physical numbers? If you can give that in physical numbers, it would be really great. At least you have a point of discussion. I have one more question to ask after our prime minister. And that is this question. How much should a CEO of a charitable organization be paid? Huh. Mm. So you're you're basically saying that a charitable organization. Are you talking about a big one, like a huge nonprofit? Sure, we could we could give an example. Right. It could be like a large large charitable organization. So right. let's let's take the largest charitable organization in Singapore. How much do you think that CEO of that charitable organization should be paid? Asking me? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. 
Uh, I think he or she should be paid uh, a comparable rate to the CEO of a similarly complex private organization. So how, what is a similarly complex organization? Is it by the size of the people? I mean, size of I would say the kind of work that's necessary. So, so, so okay. again, if, if I think to a personal anecdote, right? Mm-hmm. If I was to, mm-hmm. if I wanted to get paid right. fairly, yeah. I'd want to get paid the market rate for my skills. Okay. So because I'm bringing XYZ set of skills, okay. those skills are in demand. Sure. Uh, and whatever the market is paying for that, I want to get paid that no matter sure. where I go. I think to some extent, the context does matter. So if it's a charitable organization, I think I can understand uh, a partial cut. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I'll, I'll be willing to take that, uh, mainly because if I was to choose to work for a charitable organization, I am choosing to work for a charitable organization. Right. And I suppose the question would be, there's such a large spectrum of CEO pay, which we'll cover later. Right. How, how which, which cut will you be taking? Are we taking 15 million, 20% cut from a CEO that, that earns 15 million, right. or really a CEO that earns 600,000 yearly and take a 20% cut? What are we talking about? Right, I, oof, mm, I don't know. Right. I think it's going to be quite an interesting discussion. Right. But really, essentially, I mean, this is a question posed to our viewers today is, how much do you think a CEO of a charitable, charitable organization he paid? In physical numbers, what do you think that number? Let's take, okay, contextually, the largest charitable organization in Singapore, which I don't know. Right. But maybe we can cover that in the next episode. Sure. Singapore charity scene. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think will be that number that we're working with for the largest charitable organization and the CEO that's working in it. Right. Right. Cool. But let's, let's go on and let's talk about what are the most well-paid people in Singapore. Okay. Shall we? I want right, to know. Okay. I want to know. So here we go. So the salaries of notable positions in Singapore from, um, uh, I think this is from a recruitment agency called Michael Page that I took offline. Uh, so it says that uh, with a minimum requirement of 10 to 15 years of relevant experience, okay, we need to leave the context here, right? Sure. Okay. So these are people who know their stuff. You know their stuff. Okay. okay. A legal counsel right, that, that, that works in a practice, uh, supposed to be legal practice, right? Okay. Will earn on average about 500000 per year. So half a million a year. Yes, half a million a year. That's legal counsel. That's around 40, 40 plus. Plus grand a month. A month. That's a good amount. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I'd expect 10 to 15 years. So I'm 25 right now. Uh, 15 years time, I'll be 40. I, I'd want to be paid that much. What I are you going to do with 40 grand a month? Uh, hopefully by that point, uh, getting my kids into college. Okay. Yeah. That's going to pay for just that that one month of salary is just going to pay for them for that year already. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just spitballing. I haven't thought about this, really. <laughs> you put me on the spot. No worries. <laughs> okay, let's, let's go on to that. Something else which is also just as, uh, I mean, also really high pay is a CFO or finance director in Singapore. A CFO and finance director in Singapore is going to be averaging about 315000 to 430000 per year. Okay. I mean, less than the legal counsel, but still. I, I know that a CFO mm. probably has a tough job, especially mm. with a complex financial organ, uh, system. Yeah. That's a lot of, they deserve that, I, I would say. Right. Yeah, definitely. But that's 315,000 to 430,000. Right. Once again, a, a very, very high number for someone in the fine, uh, to be a CFO or finance. Right. This is an average, right? Seems reasonable. Yeah. So a general manager or a managing director 
not necessarily the top man in the uh, in uh, right. in for so example, upper MNC, middle management. Upper middle management. He could be the managing director of a country or geography. Right. Uh, he is going to take home, for example, and predominantly in the healthcare and life sciences areas, is going to take home about three hundred and ninety thousand. But yeah, he or she will. Yeah, he, he or, or she. she. Sorry, <laughs> I, I'm just gonna. Okay, so just for our viewers, he or she. I'm just use it, gonna use it interchangeably. I'm right. the same. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. It's he's gonna. He or she is gonna take away about three hundred and ninety thousand dollars per year. Yeah. If you're an MD of a healthcare and life sciences. Wow. MNC. All right. And of course, moving on to this very very highly uh, specific area called quality director. In the engineering and manufacturing area, or for example, semiconductors. So that, that you basically are in charge of making sure that anything that comes out, yeah, you are responsible for the quality. So if it fails, it's kind of on you. Yeah, exactly. So that's a lot of pressure. Of course, yeah. of course. If 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 that biscuit is not going to come out from that factory, you're just going to get in trouble. Oh yeah. wow! <laughs> Semicon, uh, aerospace, the chemical sector. They're gonna average about three hundred fifteen thousand per year. Still in the three hundred thousand wow. range. All right, we're just gonna go through this. Uh, marketing directors will average about two hundred twenty to three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, executive directors for corporate governance is gonna do about three hundred thousand average per year. All right. In-house legal counsel. Okay, not not the legal counsel in the practice, but an in-house legal counsel in the company is gonna right. do about also about three hundred thousand average per year. The head of medical affairs. Right, uh, clinical research is two hundred ninety thousand. Engineering director for R and D or engineering is also about two hundred to two hundred seventy-five thousand. Wow, these are really high-paying jobs. Yeah, and I, yeah. I'm sensing a pattern here, right? Mm. I'm seeing they well by virtue of design, they mm. all have lots of experience, mm. so they have the institutional knowledge or some kind of uh, professional knowledge. Yeah, that's right. They are managing very difficult jobs. Like I'm looking at these jobs, and you're responsible for a lot of stuff. You mm. are basically if you screw up, you're gonna be. Oh man! <laughs> uh, you're gonna be really, really on the line. Yeah. Uh, and it looks for some of these things. You're managing people, and yeah. so I think that's something I, I underappreciate a lot. Managing people is hard. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's 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 worth it, but it's hard. And a lot of people don't really understand how much work it takes to to be a good manager. Most definitely. In fact, one of the other things that we'll be talking about later is about the fact that why do managers get paid more than individual contributors? Why is it that as we go up in the organization, uh, managers, right? Right. Managers get paid more. Yeah. Why is it that individual contributors are not paid more? Or is this really not true? Are you asking me or are we going to go into it We're going to go into okay. it later. <laughs> I have an answer, but we'll go into it okay. later. But before that, let's talk about something else, which is, the average CEO, we noticed that we didn't talk about CEOs in the, the most notable positions. Right. Now we're going to be talking about C, the CEOs in the world, all right? Oh, globally. Globally, all right? Okay. Globally. Do we have a Singapore list as well? Yeah, we do have. Okay. okay. So according to CNBC, which I pulled off from the net as well, sure. the average CEO pay in 2016 of the top 250 US firms earned on average about 15.6 million a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you are, Sorry, this is US dollars. This is US dollars. Okay. Right? So if you are a CEO in the top 250 company right. in the US, you're going to do about 15 million a year. Wow. And this, I, I'm not sure whether there are other uh, things it's, like so, stock equity and stuff. Yeah. Like this, you know, I think that included. was my question. How much of that 15 mil, uh, million? Okay. What I understand is this is their salary. Okay. Yeah. We're not even talking about. Um, for example, stock options or stock preferences or preference wow. shares. We're not talking about any of these things. We're just talking about salary alone. Okay. Yeah. 15.6 million on average. 
per year. Okay. So let's just look at, for example, some of the pays, the top CEOs in the world are paid. All right. Right. Okay. So in the US, for example, uh, so for example, the CEO of uh, Oracle is paid 41.1 million a year. That's, that's a number, salary. That's the number one. That's the number one. All right. Or at least uh, that's the number one here that I have on this list. Okay? Right. Yeah. But these are some of the top people. Okay? Right. Right. Um, you have from Activision Blizzard, if you play Warcraft, right. Or you play Starcraft, Starcraft, Starcraft right. for example. Right. Right. He's taking home. About, I've dabbled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bobby Kotick is taking about $33.1 million a year. Yeah. And people are readily giving him that money. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Oh, some, something familiar. Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Right. Thirty-two point nine million. Oh, Mac, wow. uh, Whitman. She left recently. I think. Yeah, I think yeah. so. But she's still back. Right. Two point nine million. Right. 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 Uh, you have Ginny from IBM. She took home thirty-two point three million as well. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you have Adobe CEO of Adobe, right? Shantanu, who took twenty million. Uh, Brian from Intel took nineteen point one million. And of course, Satya from Microsoft took about seventeen point seven. So you, you get the idea. Top CEOs are taking multi-million dollar kind of salaries. How do those numbers compare to Singapore? Okay, let's take a look. All right. According to Asia One, which you just picked up, the median total pay for CEOs at Singapore listed companies has remained constant at 625000 So, okay. So the median for, or the average for global is 15.6. Yeah. And you're saying in Singapore, it's 625000 but that's the median. And that's also, this is also Singapore dollars. So yeah. That's a lot of comparison. Exactly. Yeah. So of course, this is a mixture of large, medium, and small corporations. And oh, companies, right? okay. Okay. Right. So we, we're talking about even small companies. So it could be, for example, a small startup. Right. Pay all the way on to the top of the top man in the, uh, in the list of companies in Singapore, for example. Right. So maybe we should look at this a bit more contextually. Okay. Okay. So let's compare large size companies, for example. Sure. Right. So CEOs in Singapore at large size companies were paid a median total remuneration of approximately 3.41 million per annum. Singapore dollars. Yeah, Singapore dollars. Okay. So if you are a CEO and chances are in a Singapore listed company, you are going to be paid about $3.41 million that's, on average. That's, that's a good amount. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty good. Now, if you're in a medium sized company, you pro and you're a CEO there, you'll probably be paid about 1.25 million per annum. Still in the million range per year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What did we say was, uh, our prime minister's, uh, pay again? 2.2. 2.2 million. So he's in between, uh, the CEO, the average, uh, CEO pay of a large organization and the CEO of a medium sized company. Okay. So he's between that. Yeah. Right. So that's you would say that stuff. Singapore is probably bigger than a large size company. Of course. The Singapore definitely. government. Yeah. And he, he is in between these numbers. So it's, it's I, I guess it's a food for thought to consider. Right. Like, these are, of course, the physical numbers that we have uh, working here. Right. Right. And of course, let's not talk. Let's, let's talk since we're talking about commercial companies. Let's talk about some, uh, uh, a company that's really been in the news recently as well and been in the news for the longest time. Let's talk about SMRT. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at SMRT. You know what, Willie? I think we should do a, a whole episode on SMRT. Okay. Yeah, I think it's completely worth it. No, definitely. It'll be very interesting. Okay, yeah. Let's totally do transportation, efficiency or transportation. Okay, but for another <laughs> day. All right. Let's look at SMRT and right. the top men in the SMRT, okay? Sure. So SMRT is, is it considered a large uh, corporation or a medium-sized corporation? I think... Um, its turnover in 2015 was about 1.23 billion dollars, 
So it's a billion dollar company. It says million here. Thousand two hundred thirty-five million. Oh wow! So it's a 1.23 billion dollar company. Wow! Right, and that's SMRT. So I believe that it belongs to the large corporations size. Right. Right. Of course. Okay. <laughs> At a billion dollar company, and guess what? The CEO of SMRT in reported in 2014 that his salary was 2.25 million dollars. He belongs to a large corporation, right? And he takes home two point two five million dollars, right? And against our large size companies, on average of about three point four million, he's actually below the average of uh, most large corp、uh, companies. In you know what I'm seeing here?、Yeah. That Singapore actually has a huge、uh, spectrum of pays and salaries、mm, that is mm, going mm, on. Mm, of course, mm, mm, mm. and and I'll just say that. Really, sometimes just looking at the numbers is really mind-boggling. And if we really try to benchmark ex,、uh, where we are, this this is where we are right now. Right, right. That, for example, the CEO of SMRT is actually two point two five million compared to the three point four one million that we're looking at for average、right. for a large corporation. Very interestingly, I think this is something worth worth noting as well. But of course, once again, still in the millions. Right, <laughs> right. Once you hit a million, I yeah, think you're you're in a very different conversation.、Mm. Of course, everybody is hearing us talk about million dollar CEOs and pays that are really in three hundred over thousand、right. a year. Well, where where are we getting with this, right? But、yeah. of course, if you're not, I'm going to tell you what are the industries in Singapore to be in that pay you the most. Okay. Okay. So there are actually five. Right. And I think most people would understand this because probably our parents were very drilled us、right. to enter these industries, and they are actually right. Number one in the Singapore industry with the highest paying salaries is accounting. Okay. All right. That makes sense.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, do numbers. Right. I think I know a lot of people in the media industry, which I'm from, really hate numbers. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's also probably a job that not many people want to do unless they they really like really love numbers. <laughs> yeah.、Right? Yeah. So you have no choice but to do、right. numbers. Okay.、Uh, but who are we judging? <laughs> Number two. No one. We're judging no one. Yeah. <laughs> Banking and finance. Okay, it's obvious. That、right? makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so banking and finance, we have all the big finance companies in Singapore. They are the the next one with the highest paying salaries. Okay. Okay. Of course, number three,、um, also recently in the news, is healthcare, healthcare and life sciences. So does、uh, this include doctors? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Medical directors, sure. People in the healthcare industry. Okay. They are really paid a lot as well. Healthcare and life sciences. That I am okay with.、Mm. They should get paid. <laughs> And of course, number four is information technology. Right. So I suppose it's your Google, your Facebook,、um, your Adobe. Right. Yeah, your IBM's. Right. They're yeah, driving so, the most growth. Yeah. Right now. So information technology, people are really paid a lot. So you should go into the information IT industry, for example. And of course,、uh, not、um, the last one is legal. So lawyers, I suppose,、class、legal、X. counsel, class X, for example, they are actually taking a lot in as well. So these are the five. Let me repeat: accounting, banking, and finance, healthcare, life sciences, information technology, and legal are the top five industries with the highest paying. Really, we're not. We're not. None of these. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Shh. Yeah. Boo hoo. <laughs> But good to know. Good、right. to know. All right. Good to know. Maybe we might want to do a career switch next time. Sure. We shall see. Now we know. Now we know. Oh no! What did I study? <laughs> Okay, so these, these essentially are、um, the highest paying salaries in,、uh, in Singapore. Let's talk about something else, which is about pay structures. 
What, so what is a page structure? Okay, so for example, um, how are pays being distributed and how are pays being dis- uh, determined within an organization? Okay. For example, uh, so you, you have these four different structures that actually determine your salary oh, wow. in an organization. So one is... I, I did not know that there was a structure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so you have things like, which is, I, I think once you hear it, you will understand is pay bands. Okay. So do you belong in a specific band? Right. And then therefore, if you belong in a specific band, therefore you'll be given more pay or less pay. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's logical. Yeah. That's logical. Right. Right. So it's, I think it's administratively, it's much easier to also distribute and remunerate as well and to judge a person as well. Okay. So that's pay bands. You also, you have something called a traditional structure. Okay. So essentially, if you are, if you go higher up in the organization, you get paid more. So it's a very high, hierarchy based kind of a system very okay. traditional okay i think it exists in a lot of companies even till today right traditional structures you have a, um, another thing called pay for performance right so if you did really well and you did really 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 well chances are you might be paid more than some people okay. in the organization but of course uh, there are things in the pay for performance structure that gets a bit problematic for example we call it fan managerial control Will your manager judge you correctly enough for you to be paid for that level of performance that you executed? Right, because sometimes performance is very difficult to yeah, measure. Yeah, it's really, really subjective, right? Right. Yeah, so uh, once again, a very uh, difficult to administer kind of structure is pay for performance, unfortunately. Sure. Right. Uh, you have things like uh, broadbanding structure. So, uh, for example, if you belong in general support, analysis department or law enforcement or sciences, essentially these particular areas of work or industries will determine your pay. Is that, how is that different from like just market rates? So for example, if you work in a charitable organization versus if you work in banking and finance, should you be paid the same? Uh, Probably not. Probably not, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there is this notion of what a charitable organization, how they should be paying. Or maybe if you're in social services, should you be paid the same way as how you're paying in legal, for example? Mm-hmm. Once once again, I Those think, are tricky questions. Yeah, though. exactly. Okay. But I suppose uh, without, without going into the ethical or essentially the logical position of why these were determined to the groups that they are, right. uh, these are how they have really been banded. Right. Right. So this is called broadbanding structures. Okay. Right. So we have these four different things that actually determine your pay. Right. So you, if you're in the good side of history or you're in the good side of the band, then of course you'll be paid more. If you're on the negative side of the band, then unfortunately, or it could be the fact that you're just really right in the middle of the hmm. band. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting, right? So, of course, the number one thing I think most people will be asking is, you know, we talk about minister salaries. We right. talk about notable salaries, but how do we know how do we determine that number goes with this particular role? How do we do that? So, I mean, I'm thinking right off the top of my head, you have uh, skills that you invested in. So, for okay. example, if you want to be a lawyer, uh, you have to put in the investment to law school, right. into basically going into internships and all this kind of stuff. So, you kind of get rewarded for that input into yourself and into your professional knowledge. Mm. Uh, but how do you think an organization is looking at you? In terms of how my... much you should be paid, even though you made all this effort for yourself, right? Would you be paid exactly what you think you'll be paid? 
Ah, I hope mm. so. <laughs> so, uh, essentially, there are, of course, there are, there are many things that uh, uh, determines pay. For example, sure. let's use, for example, you study this, the pastel analysis, right? Oh, wow. I so, love this in management <laughs> school. I didn't want to touch this again. Yeah. So, of course, pastel analysis talks about a few key areas. It's six key areas, which is what determines pay. Right. It's political, sure. the political situation of a, of a country. Right. The economic uh, conditions of the, com- the country. Sure. The social dynamics sure. of that particular society. The technological availability. The legal framework that they have. And the environmental aspects as well. Right. So these are the six things that actually go into determining a pay. Okay. Not just uh, not just the state of the company or the financial financial health of company financial right. health of a country, but exactly what is the state of somebody's salary. It goes down really down to that level as well. Right. And really, how salaries are being determined after you take this pastel framework essentially is, for example, the organization's reputation, okay, which determines, for example, the ease of attracting talent will determine your pay. If, for example, if you work for Google or you work for a very re- reputable company, right, they people want to join your business. Right. You want to join your company. Let's say, oh, I get to uh, work in Google, but you have to take a 50% pay cut. Okay. Some people will say, no, you, won't. you know what? I'm going to jump on it. It's a once in a lifetime. I want to try. Okay. Uh, something, something like that. So that, in some sense, is the brand equity or really the organization's reputation that could determine salaries as well. Sure. Hmm. That, that's, that's one aspect. That makes sense. Hmm. Of course, the, the popular notion is market, which is, for example, supply and demand. We've learned that in economics, right? Right. So if we have a lot of people in engineering and there are not enough engineering jobs, then, of course... Uh, prices for engineers will get depressed. And I think this is what most people think about when they think of salaries. Yes. That it's, it's purely on supply and demand. Yeah, of course. Right. So if, if there's, for example, a lack of, uh, <clears throat> what I understand is there's a lack of computer dev- developers. Right. And that's where we know that developers are in high in demand because there's a lack of it. And then really the, uh, their salaries go up because uh, different companies really want to take more developers, they are really competing with other companies for talent in this area, then what we see is salaries will go up in those areas. Okay. So supply and demand is really a crucial factor uh, for determining salaries as well. Sure. Uh, of course, your experience and your education, whether you're over or underqualified for a role, that's will determine that's... Uh, straightforward. That, that's something really... Uh, your performance, as okay. an individual performance, even the company's performance also determines salary. Okay. Yeah. So you could have put in effort, but the company didn't do well. Your salary might not, you might not get a raise. Right. Or they may not include more individuals in the company. Sure. So for example, performance is a very key factor as well. And of course, cost of living. So something that, uh, what, what is the cost of living in this place? How much does it cost to rent a house? I think this is quite popular in the U.S., for example. Uh, you need to factor in when you get receive your pay, whether you can actually make ends meet for your rental. Right. There's basically yeah. a baseline yeah. that they kind of try to hit so that as long as they anything above that is going to be like a perk for, for the work that you do. Exactly. But they, they want to make sure that you don't like suffer. Exactly. So cost of living is, is something that actually also determines salaries. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. But all of these... Uh, Essentially, within the framework of the pastel analysis. Okay. Right? Definitely. The Is this something state. you do a lot, Willie? You just <laughs> pastel everything? <laughs> I try. I try to. Oh, wow. <laughs> Such a boring life. <laughs> so, the, pol- 
political framework, for example, if, uh, if for example, the country is going towards a, a specific direction or emphasis to a specific, uh, specific kind of occupation, right? Then of course you're going to see salaries going in a specific area. Okay. Like for example, if the country is going to war. Yeah, you're right. gonna want to adjust your pace. Exactly, and okay. then you you will then uh, account for, for example, military men. You want to attract more people in the military, or you want people in the arms uh, production. Then of course that's gonna happen. And of course economic measures, social dynamics. Right, right? that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All, all of this makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So this is essentially how salaries are determined. Right. In our our uh, our country and in I, Singapore yeah, as well. Yeah, that definitely makes sense, especially in Singapore. Mm where you kind of think of uh, some of the key conversations that are happening, mm. a lot of them tend to rotate around these things. Mm -hmm, definitely. All right, let me just say, oh, we've got a few people to say hello, and I'm going to just reply hello. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will get on to even more interesting things. Uh, okay. Are we going to go to the juicy stuff now? <laughs> but I, I realized something. Hey, guys, if you think that you have a number, I, I think everybody's a little shy today. Yeah. Nobody wants to put down what they feel is the prime minister's pay. Right. Yeah. It's it's very controversial, and I and I'll give it this right. In Singapore, if you're gonna make a statement, you kind of want to stand by it. Yeah. And so, and a lot of stuff that we're gonna be talking about, we're we're talking about stuff that's already online. Exactly. So we're basically taking information from different sites, and we're kind of just aggregating it because it's a lot of stuff. Of course, definitely. Uh, so so we get it, uh, but but don't feel shy. Mm. Definitely put out the number if you if you so that we can know what people are thinking. Yeah, what about. people are thinking. Yeah. Okay. But let me just throw something even more <laughs> confusing into the mix oh, for wow. everyone. Okay. All right. How about this question? How much do you think a religious leader in the top religious organization in Singapore oh. should be paid? Willie, you're going really into... All right, guys, guys, of course. <laughs> How much do you think a top religious leader in the top religious organization in Singapore should be paid. So, okay, we've talked about the Prime Minister's pay. We've talked about the CEO charitable, of a, charitable organization. Right. And now you're saying a religious leader's pay. Yeah. Uh, I sense a trend over here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you basically trying to compare uh, work that has some kind of humanitarian or public service uh, angle to it with I, each other? Well, I, I think firstly, uh, uh, foremost is we have so much information on the commercial sector. Right. We we know how much a, a CEO is, uh, is paid. Right. It's really available online. But really, have you? We we don't really exactly see things like, for example, charitable organizations CEO pay. Right. I, I suppose you can obtain that. Right. You don't know a religious leader's pay, for example. Right. And what exactly is that level that he should be paid for the value of his work? Yeah. Right. It's a it's a really interesting question, and I think that if, for example, if all of us were trying to answer it, maybe we get a better insight. For example, of what uh, a pay of a prime minister, which I believe is a calling, right? Right. Uh, or a pay of a minister in a religious organization, or any of these uh, any of these organizations would actually give us clarity okay. to how we should determine pay for the people. Right. But of course, in the commercial sector, we've talked about how pays have been de determined. So that's pretty interesting. Let me talk about, for example, something that since we're on the topic of pay, right? Sure. And it's, it's quite uh, close to some Singaporean's heart is foreign, foreign uh, staff pay. Okay. Okay. Foreigners coming into our country and how much are they paid? Right. Because I think one of the big conversations is that people say that foreign workers take our jobs. Yeah. Uh, 
and they basically take the income that we would have otherwise gotten. Sure. Uh, I personally, I don't believe this too much mm. uh, because my own understanding based on what I'm reading is that a lot of these jobs are jobs that Singaporeans are not taking anyway. Mm. Uh, mm. But but what, what do you have for, for this? Well, once again, I, I think this is a really... Uh, multi-level dynamic question. Okay. Of course, there's definitely jobs in which uh, Singaporeans are either not suited or do not prefer right. to, to do. Right. And there are also jobs in which that there are not enough Singaporeans to fill. Right. So we need more, uh, probably, foreigners to also take up that work. Right. I'm right. pretty sure, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat my statement, I'm pretty sure it's a bit more nuanced than what I just said. Mm. Uh, but, but there's probably more to it. And I, sure. and I think we, we may need a whole episode. For of course, well. yeah. But yeah. Let, let me talk about very simply how the government administers uh, uh, the different kinds of foreigners for entering the country and what kind of pay they're actually receiving. Okay. So we get a better understanding. Sure. Of course, let's talk about the very, very first of all, I think high up in the hierarchy of pay for right. foreigners is the employment pass. Okay. Okay. And if you, for those and this who don't is, know, employment pass is for professionals. For professionals, yeah. Okay. So, of course, you need to have a minimum of a degree or specific kind of role they've really played in in, uh, in an organization already. Okay. And essentially, uh, for foreign professionals, uh, managers and executives, candidates need to earn at least $3,600 a month uh, and have acceptable qualifications like a degree, for example. Okay. So, uh, you if you do not, for example, if the company doesn't pay you more than three uh, doesn't pay you three thousand six hundred dollars or more, uh, chances are they will not be given an employment pass. Okay, so you can't come to Singapore. You can't come to Singapore okay. if you want to use an employment pass. Wow. So employment pass really is for a, a higher level foreigners from coming in. So for example, if you have a friend who says, "Hey, uh, who's a foreign friend who, who, for example, says I have an employment pass," you go like, "Ah, you're earning more than three thousand six hundred dollars." Right. Yeah. So, so this one, you no know, way, you, know you right. know, you don't have to tell your friend, but right. you, know, you already know that's probably that pay. All right. Of course, there are even higher levels to this. One is called the PEP, is after the uh, uh, EP, which is called the Personalized Employment Pass, um, which offers greater flexibility than Employment Pass. And uh, your the, the Employment Pass holder is earning a fixed fee monthly salary of at least $12,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. And if you're overseas foreign profession earning a fixed monthly salary, it must be at least $18,000. And I assume that you get more flexibility and more yeah. perks with a PEP. Of course. Okay. Of course. Well, of course, these are very high level positions, right. uh, or rather higher level positions. And of course, it's like an upgrade to the employment pass, right. which is called the PEP. Right. right. So we talk about this band. This is the $3,600 band, the professional band and above. Right. Now let's talk about something right in the middle. Okay. Okay. And we, let's talk about something called the S-Pass. All right. All right. I've yeah. heard of this. Yeah. Right. This is this is not for professional workers. Yep. Uh, and is there a minimum pay that you have to be hitting? Yes. For this? Okay. So there is a minimum requirement. So to qualify for the S pass, you need to have minimally a diploma of sorts. Okay. An equivalent of okay. diploma. Right. For mid-level skilled staff, like in the S pass, candidates need to earn at least two thousand two hundred dollars a month and meet the assessment criteria. Okay. So this is. They are still getting paid pretty decently, mm. I'd say, comparable to most Singaporeans. Ah, but there's a catch. Okay. There is a levy placed on the employer. Oh, wow. If they were to have somebody in the S-Pass range. Oh, wow. So the S the S-Pass levy could range from a few hundred dollars all the way up to maybe close to a thousand dollars, maybe sometimes. So is the goal... Don't get me right, it's but a, it's a few hundred dollars. Is the goal yeah. to incentivize employment of Singaporeans then? 
Exactly. Okay. Yeah. But of course, uh, if this particular uh, skill set is really a rarity, mm-hmm. I suppose uh, and a business will really want to hire this. If not, it's not economically viable simply because you have to then pay the levy and pay somebody $2,200. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. Of course, uh, there's one more band, which is below the S-Pass, which is you earn less than $2,200. Is this the work permit? This is the work permit. Okay. This I've heard about. Yeah. Right. So if you earn $2,200 and less, you, right. of course, you're a semi-skilled foreign worker in probably in construction, manufacturing, marine shipyard, process or service sector. Uh, you belong, uh, you can apply for the work permit right. area. And of course, I think there's some things that needs to the, the company needs to also have. For example, I think there's a mandatory insurance that needs to be paid out. Okay. To people within the work permit sector as well. So, so there's a lot brands. of things going on. Yeah, that's right. Right. And of course, I think this is to really classify the kinds of uh, uh, work and salaries right. that are in different bands and how they're actually being administered to the yeah. foreigners coming to the country. What, what I'm seeing so far is that the Singapore. Uh, employment uh, state, yep. right? The the, the landscape hmm. is pretty much planned a lot, hmm. right? There's a lot of uh, people who who are who are thinking about about exactly what are the kind of incomes that we want people to be earning, right. and what are the signals that are being sent. Right. There. Okay, that hey, is very interesting. We've got an interesting comment from Tom Lee, and Tom was saying religious leaders should earn about ten to fifteen thousand a month. Okay, uh, for a car. So that's home. around 180000 a year. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, Travel expenses, personal charitable donation savings. So this is Tom's suggestion that uh, religious leaders should maybe exist in the $10,000, $15,000 range. Okay. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, that makes sense if you are talking about someone who... He's probably, a top guy right. in, a, in a religious But if you have a family... Mm. Right. If you have a family, if uh, again, I, I go back to I think my primary and this is me as an individual, my primary determinant uh, is what you're talking about, about performance. Mm. Right. If I am doing the kind of work that can be matched to uh, someone who is working in, in, a, in a big, complex organization yeah. uh, and, and that level of scale, uh, then then I kind of expect. A, a comparable pay. So, you, so you believe that uh, a religious leader could be even paid more simply because the organ- organization could be larger? Oh, for a religious leader, mm. Mm. that's tricky. Too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, right, right. So, I suppose these questions. But of course, we would love to hear your comments. Please leave your comments in the comment section. We really want to hear what your views are on right. religious leaders, CEO of charitable organizations, and of course, our dear prime minister and how right. they should be paid. Right. All right. Let's let's move on and let's take a look at some things. All right. Oh yes, about passes, all right, and of course different different areas. Right. Something that maybe might be interesting for your friends coming here to Singapore and who are still studying. Okay. Okay. Do yeah. We have let things me, let like me hear about this. The work holiday pass. Have you heard of that? No. Okay. It's the is un- it a pass to be on holiday? Oh well, it's for students and graduates age eighteen to twenty five who want to work and holiday in Singapore for six months. Work and holiday. Work and holiday. As if holiday is an activity. I'm not sure how you're gonna work and okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can do that. Right? Sure. If you work for fun. Then I guess it's a holiday. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think if you're a foreigner who wants to come to Singapore, that can be done. There seems to be a special arrangement in Australia. Right. There's this work holiday pass uh, for Australian students and graduates aged between 18 to 30 who want to work in holiday in Singapore for one year. I suspect that there's a reciprocal program in Australia. I think that so too. probably makes yeah, sense. I think so too. Yeah. So if you have friends who, who want to work here on a holiday 
And of course, you meet the criteria. You're not older than 25, right. not younger than 18. Right. And of course, you can come here for work holiday. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. All right, that's cool. I'm sure there are also a lot of other passes that we can talk about, but really today is the topic about salaries. Right. So, And we really want to know, for example, foreign salaries as well and why, where they actually exist. So right. these are also the era eras. So um, we've talked about private sector. Yes. We've talked about uh, foreign workers and, and passes for people who are coming from overseas. Yeah. Uh, I think let's let's go into into the juicy part of this. Uh, I know uh, that I know that you've done the work on political, but I've kind of taken a look at the civil sector. Okay, uh, and, and it's very interesting. So, um, the civil sector, if people don't know, is basically uh, the part of of the government that is uh, basically works in the ministries and the stat bots, uh, and their job is to is to make government work. Okay, right, uh, and so there's of course. The sense of duty, the sense of like these people are serving Singapore, but of course, uh, there's pay. People need to get paid. Mm. Uh, so it's important to talk about how exactly people in the civil sector get paid. Sure. So I've taken a, uh, I've done my research. Okay. Uh, and I, I have stuff from both the public service division and the government, as well as from uh, neutral sites, or I hope neutral sites like salary.sg and stuff. Okay. Um, so. The key principle for civil servant salaries is being market competitive. Okay. So this is something that we've seen a lot, right? We mm -hmm. want to make sure that people are getting paid according to what the market is. Uh, and the key reason for that is because they want people to choose to enter the civil service uh, and not feel like they're making too much of a sacrifice. Okay, right? fair. And again, it goes back to this idea of work, right? Because I'm doing the kind of work that deserves this amount of pay, mm -hmm. uh, they should be paying that in the public sector as well, to okay. some degree. So similar abilities and responsibilities. The, the key thing, though, is that the civil sector's pay is not completely uh, uh, stable. or It's not static, right? So you have uh, a base market competitive salary, and then you have what is called uh, performance-based pay. So what happens is that there is a part of your pay that is linked to performance so that people within the civil service are motivated to hit either organizational goals. So if okay. you work in a stat board or a ministry, you kind of have certain goals that you want to hit and bonuses and increments are tied to your performance. Okay, cool. So if you join the civil service, you don't have a fixed starting uh, salary. Oh, um, you don't? Okay. You don't. So there are pay grades. And so mm -hmm. this is something I'll talk about later, but more or less your starting salaries are based on uh, four key factors. Uh, the prevailing labor market, so this okay. is the demand and supply kind of thing. The demands of the job, so exactly what are the skills you're bringing to the table, yeah. right? The caliber of the, of the person. So, for example, if, if I'm coming in with 20 years of experience, uh, that kind of deserves uh, a payment or rather a, a benefit for, for the knowledge I'm bringing. And experience, okay. Right, and Most so definitely. we've talked about this with your, your fancy pestle stuff. Uh, and 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 then finally, uh, there is a component of your annual, annual salary that is that may, is made up of all this performance-based stuff. So okay. you have uh, a couple of interesting things, right? So you have a performance bonus. So like I said, this is tied to both your organizational work as well as the whole work of the government. Okay. Uh, there is a merit increment. Mm. So you actually get paid more. Uh, you, it's kind of like a, a pay increase uh, based on the performance of, of yourself. Okay. So... Uh, if you do if you do really well that year, you actually are up for a, a merit increment. Okay. There's also an annual variable component. All right. And so that is uh, bonuses. That is a bonus that is not necessarily tied 
to your organization performance that is tied to the whole public service. Oh, so okay. if the mm. eco- if the economy does well uh, and the public service is in is in good oh, standing, so it's market determined. Okay, right. So mm. it kind of incentivizes the whole of government to actually think about what they're doing. Okay, right, and to kind of play towards a team effort, uh, and then. And, and and those factors kind of all play towards your your your, your salary within the civil service. So it's it's very interesting because a lot of people they complain that the civil service uh, salary and this is what I've seen on forums. It's it's been interesting <laughs> exploring how red zone uh, online. Uh, but a lot of people complain complain that 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 the pay within the private sector and the civil sector uh, they're all you have no influence over them. But okay. I think the key thing to note is that in the civil service, it is pretty much broken down into variable components that you do have uh, a role in influencing. So there's an upside sure. if you do better. Sure. So let's get this straight. So this, the civil sector salary is determined by, of course, your monthly civil salary. Service civil service sector yeah. is determined by your monthly salary. You have a performance bonus. You have a chance of a merit increment. Yes. And so that's just an increment. Uh, you have an... AVC or annual variable component, right. which is tied to the market. Right. Uh, you have other annual bonuses, right. which um, not sure what other annual bonuses are. Right. <laughs> it, could be, could be, could be special things that the country has that, done. That's space for it. That's space. Okay. Right. And, and it's, it's important because Singapore is one of the countries, one of the, one of the few countries in the world where you have that many civil servants. Mm. So there's one Singapore civil servant for every 66.8 Singaporeans. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, I'm not sure if it's Singaporeans are just people, right? So each civil servant is serving uh, an average of, of 67 people in the country. I see. So for every 67 person that I randomly sample from and talk to an MRT, chances are they'll be in the civil sector. Right. Civil and that, service And sector. that's more than the UK. Mm. That's more uh, than Indonesia. Okay. Indonesia has a lot of people, yeah. uh, but it is fewer than Malaysia and Japan. So in Japan, it's one civil servant for 28 people. Okay, wow. <laughs> so okay. That, they that's... really need their government. Right. Okay. So it's it's very interesting. Uh, there's another part about civil service pay that, that's very controversial, or rather it's a mixed bag, uh, but people talk about CEP. Okay. So what CEP is uh, your current estimated potential. Okay. And so oh, wow. okay. what that means is that when you join the civil service, they kind of give you uh, uh, an indication of where they expect you to hit at the end of your career. Uh, and at the end of career, they mean, is that age? So, or so it... basically your final, your final destination that they're, that the, the public service division is trying to push you to. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so for example, some people who perform well and show potential for leadership, uh, they're given more opportunities to join development programs uh, and they're, they're kind of put on a, track towards high, higher positions. I see. Uh, there, there is a bit of uh, a conversation about whether scholars, you know, government scholars get put on those positions. So I, I did some digging and according to uh, Minister Teo Chi Hen, uh, it's not. So everyone, once they join the civil service, they're put on the same track uh, and your your CP is kind of determined for, let's say you, you are a regular uh, civil servant and I'm a, I'm a scholar who has had that, that, that scholarship. Uh, the moment we join, our CP is evaluated in the same way. So based oh, okay. on our leadership potential, based on the kind of qualifications we have and all this kind of stuff. Um, they have three main qualities that they evaluate you by analytical and intellectual capacity. 
influence and collaboration okay. and motivation for excellence. Right. So it's not based on your starting educational qualification. So that used to be something I see. Uh, back in the day, but they've changed it to these three things. Uh, and the whole goal is to, again, reward merit, reward people who actually put in the work uh, and who actually play. So are we saying that nowadays scholars aren't uh, we're, we're, um, to vie for, for example, a perm secretary right. position, uh, a scholar or a non-scholar has equal opportunities to vie for that position? So for most jobs. Okay. So I think there's places where they still kind of, scholars do have some uh, advantage. Mm-hmm. So for example, within MINDEF, okay. right? And I, I think the goal is because when they got that scholarship, it was mm-hmm. very specifically because they knew that they were getting fast-tracked. Uh, mm-hmm. I think also some scholars, the moment they get a scholarship, they are put on what is called a public service leadership program. Okay. So some scholars, they are not put on that program. They just get a scholarship and they come back and, and they serve uh, their bond. Uh, but some scholars, they by virtue of getting that scholarship, they're automatically enrolled in that program. Uh, I see. So some scholars may choose not to be fast-tracked and some scholars would be fast-tracked? Uh, I don't know if there's a choice. Okay. Uh, but, but yes, <laughs> there are, there's I a see. possibility. And some ministries will, of course, uh, fast-track you regardless Right, uh, and then some ministries would still consider what exactly should be done. But essentially, the fast tracking uh, option is is open to a scholar. Yes, mm. yes. Mm-mm. So the civil service employs around six point five percent of the workforce in Singapore, mm. uh, and there are uh, there are basically pay grades that people can fall into. Okay. So the lowest level is what is called MX thirteen. MX thirteen, and that's basically that the, sounds like a tank. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was a bit hard reading all of these uh, grades because because they do get confusing. But uh, and MX thirteen is basically a management executive, so it's kind of like an entry level manager right. uh, that joins. I needed to pull the tank joke because yeah. our tank of the past used to be called AMX thirteen. Oh really? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, very interesting. An AMX thirteen tank. Oh yeah. wow. Uh, Good to know. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, MX-13 is $3,000. Up to $3,000. That number may have changed because I did get this uh, article that is a bit dated. Okay. Uh, so it could be it could be slightly more. So, so so what we are getting into essentially is a pay ban of sorts? Right. So this is, yeah, this is exactly what you're talking about, a pay mm-hmm. structure. Okay, that makes sense. Now, mm-hmm. now this makes sense. And so it kind of goes all the way up. Uh, you have MX-12 for assistant managers, uh, MX... Uh, Which is I, up to... Almost $6,000. Right, okay. according to this article. Uh, and then the highest that I have here uh, is an MX-9 for a director level, and that goes okay. anywhere between 11000 to 17000 Wow, uh, wow, 17000 mm, Right, and this is monthly cool. salary. Monthly salary. Right. Uh, if you want to talk about perm sex, so this is very interesting. I tried to find out what are uh, the pays of, of top leaders. Uh, and this was a bit hard to find. Uh, the most recent thing I found was basically a, a parliamentary conversation that mm-hmm. happened. Uh, and the answers were given. So, but if you actually dig for it, 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 it is a bit hard to find. So so if anyone does have that answer, please let me know. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to to know what the numbers so are. So how much is a perm set? So, which is the highest, the, the permanent secretary is the highest position you can go for the civil service sector? Right. So mm-hmm. basically for ministry, the, the, the head honcho is mm-hmm. a permanent secretary. Uh, for a statutory board, it's normally like the CEO or a chairman uh, equivalent. Uh, and they are more or less pegged at the same level. As a permanent secretary? More or less. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So, so uh, an AO, 
which is administrative officer, which mm. is basically the people who are put on that on that league of, of, of officers mm. at an SR9 grade. So that's again a pay band within the civil service. They're paid right. around uh, 400,000 wow. uh, a year. And this, I need to really caveat this, this is 10 years ago. So this is the last number I could find. Uh, so Wait, this is 2008. Eight, right. So I've not been able to find oh. a more recent number. Uh, and if you are a senior permanent secretary, uh, or you are an, yeah, if you're a senior permanent secretary, you could be looking at around uh, more than 1.5 million a year. So, wow. so, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about no, before. In, in fact, it's more than 1.5 million. It's actually in 2008, it was 1.9 million. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Which means that now that we're in 2018, that number could be much higher. Oh my, that's... right. And I, I think it's important. It's going to dovetail into your part, which mm. is why why are we paying people who work in government so much, mm. right? Uh, and, and I hope by now uh, I've kind of impressed my point, which is that the kind but, of work. But you 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 actually talked about the fact that um, the the people in the civil service sector actually peg their uh, salaries to the uh, commercial sector. Is right. that correct? The market, yeah. So, so something called a market competitive salaries. Right. We uh, essentially it's to really uh, try to normalize normalize exactly what people in similar kind of organizations will be paying in the civil service sector. Right. At that point, you're not choosing between a low paying job and a high paying job. You're just choosing between working uh, towards public service or mm. working for a private sector goal. Right. Right. One point nine million in two thousand eight. I suppose. Uh, I think recently in the parliament, they were also saying that the permanent secretary or some people in the civil service sector actually earn more than ministers in, uh, in, in, uh, ministers, for example. Right. I mean, the, the way, if you look at yeah. the pay grades, uh, an acting minister is actually, uh, getting slightly lower than, than, than what we were just talking about. Right. So, right. so I could see that happening for sure. In, in fact, just, just for kicks, maybe we can also talk about how much uh, the different ministers, I think, paid as well. Go ahead. We know, we know, for example, about how much our prime minister is being paid. But let's take a look about how the other ministers are paid. But before we go, before we go into that, maybe um, we can look at some, maybe there any comments or something that uh, we can tell you. So, guys, if you have any comments, please share it right now. We really want to ask the question of um, how much do you think a religious leader, a CEO of a charitable organization, or the prime minister should be paid? Right. All right. If you have these answers, just please leave. A comment so that we can really we can really discuss about it and really find out how 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 you think and also how you feel about it. So we're entering into the final and juicy part. Oh yeah, how much are actually our ministers being paid? So we know that the minister is being paid about two point two million dollars. The currently right. Right. So the DPM or deputy prime minister is about one point eight seven million. Right. The MR one I suppose is like a senior minister of sorts. It's about one point seven six million. And then it goes down all the way to MR4, one, two, three, four. And MR4 is about 1.1 million. So the discrepancy is almost nearly about almost a million dollars, I suppose. Right. In fact, it's, it's, it's twice. So I, actually, yeah. I think it's interesting. So the 2008 number I gave you was before yeah. the 2011 review. Right. So remember, they did a huge review in 2011 mm. based on uh, what happened in election year and yeah. what happened with uh, the commission that kind of did the review. So that number... Uh, that we just talked about in 2008 could be very different. Mm. Uh, not necessarily higher, actually. Mm. I'm very sure. And uh, what's the uh, MOS is paid? Uh, uh, I think, I, I suppose that's a Speaker of Parliament? Uh, oh, no, no, Minister, no, Minister of State. Minister of State is right. paid 770000 The Mayor of a District is paid 
$660,000 per annum. Right. And SPS, not sure where that is. But senior parliamentary secretary. Oh, senior parliament. Oh, you know your, your, you know your yeah. political roles. 572000 The parliamentary secretary is at 418000 They They are really pretty well paid, I would right. say. And I think com- compared to some of the uh, political uh, leaders in the world, I suppose that's also something, which is why there was a debate on why exactly are ministers being paid. But if they are paid to... The commercial sector, they're actually under. So really, I think it's a, it's really an understanding of uh, where are we benchmarking everyone's pay. Right. Yeah. So I, I'll say this. I think a lot of the conversations I've had with people are not so much uh, anger at the pay. Mm. Uh, mm. They are more angry about distribution. Okay. So, and I think that's a very different question. And there's a lot, there's a lot of literature on this. Uh, sure. I took a class in business ethics in school and I couldn't even come to my own conclusion about whether CEOs deserve the pay that they got. Right, right. Right. So, so, I mean, if, for example, Singapore, touch wood, right. If, for example, Singapore's economy had a huge nightmare and the top CEO, the top CEO's pays slumped a lot. The prime minister would take that pay cut, right? And every minister as well. Uh, but the key issue is not uh, why people are getting paid so high, but why is there such a big distribution? Mm. And I think that's a question that isn't really, uh, it's, it's, it's a whole new can of worms. We're talking about mm. distributive justice. We're talking about Gini coefficient. Um, I suppose there's also how organizations are structured when you say, for example, if you are an executive and to aspire to be a manager and the manager is being paid this amount and then you're a senior manager, a director, right. maybe a C or maybe some form of like a even higher director, right. senior, all the way to the top man. I suppose there are aspirational qualities as well as aspirational amounts of remuneration that may possibly be it. Right. And I think something else that I've been thinking about is mm. this whole idea of what is the culture that's created by these space. Right. right. So, for example, if you think that uh, uh, a top civil servant or a top minister should be earning this much, what's going to happen is that in the future, if those pays ever drop, uh, would would people feel like it's not worth taking the job anymore? But I is suppose this creating that... this habit? Hmm. I suppose that question would determine like if there's an intention for dropping the civil service pay, right. there must be a parallel dynamics to, for example, the commercial sector's pay as well. Right. Because we're pegging. So if everybody, if the commercial sector is depressed and the civil service sector is depressed, right. then I suppose it is something that could match itself. So I, I, it's a huge messy issue. Mm-hmm. I think in all this research, there are certain things that I realized. Number one, that if you were try, if you actually tried to do your research, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things. Right. Uh, there are some good places like Mothership or Salary.sg that do give you a historical perspective. Uh, there's all these data online on on the government. Uh, but in order to form a narrative, you kind of have to come in with your own lens. So, what is your own expectation of of justice? What is your own expectation of of uh, in, inequality mm. and I mm. think those are questions that that if we answer we'll be just sharing our opinions and we've kind of tried to pedal in facts over so, here so let me uh, ask you since we are coming also right to the end of this right. program is what do you think should a religious leader in a top organization or maybe a charitable CEO or maybe the prime minister should be paid maybe the prime minister part not so much but right. what do you think uh, the CEO of a charitable organization should be paid 
again, I think if you're talking about a top charitable organization, I would pay them, uh, I would peg it to a similar sized uh, like organization? Private, private entity sure. with one caveat. I would expect a slight subsidy. Okay, sure. So let's say we have, we compare a mid-size uh, uh, mid-size company right. with a mid-size charitable organization, same number of people, right. all right. And the mid-size charitable organization, uh, mid-size company CEO is taking in about one point three five million, which was discussed earlier. Right. How much do you think that uh, the charity's CEO should be paid? I think probably a million, eighty eighty percent, eighty percent. So we are looking at about. It's very arbitrary. I'm sure nine hundred to a million dollars a a a month. Right. Do you think that's acceptable? I think so. I think especially mm. if there are certain conditions attached to that pay, mm. right? There's an expectation that uh, that person brings in a certain amount of, of charitable donations and that, mm. that person secures a certain amount of projects. Uh, they're, they're, mm. These these pays are not arbitrary, mm. right? And I think and I think those are the kind of conversations that we need to be having. How how much are we keeping people accountable to this pay? And, and do you also think that this same uh, this same perspective could be placed also for religious leaders as well? I think it's very different for religious leaders. Uh, I think a lot of times design of religious organizations need to also be considered. So, for mm. example, I know that there are certain organizations that uh, the pay is, is fixed, right? And there's sure. an overseeing board that manages mm. all the pay. Mm. So those are things that we it's it's again whole new areas to explore. Right. And in the case of a prime minister, now that we're on it, right? Sure. Do you think, for example, uh, it is like you said, an 80% off uh, from the the average, the national average of CEOs? What example, do you think, Willie? You've been asking me a lot of questions. Let, let me flip it on you. Good question. I I personally feel that it is best meant for the job. Mm-hmm. If, the, if, it takes, uh, uh, if it takes this amount of money to attract uh, a person of good caliber, intellect and capability into the civil service sector. Right. I think it's worth his weight in gold and salt. I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say this. The one thing I, I do have to comment is that no matter what the pay is, it's the culture of how we talk about it, mm. right? The way mm. that we hold uh, ideas of, of who deserves what, uh, about whether there is any space for, for, for redistribution. All of those things need to be dealt with compassion. Right. And I think a lot of times we tend to say, oh, uh, the best man for the job, but screw everyone else. <laughs> and I don't think that's nice. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of times in, in a country like ours where everyone basically lives next to each other, we're so dense, uh, having that kind of contempt is not going to help anyone. And I, and I think uh, hopefully this conversation kind of gets us in that position where people realize that there's a lot more information to deal with. Mm. I, there's a lot of data that we could not find. Exactly. Uh, that I hope we can find uh, in the future. If people find it, that they will, they will share it with us. Um, but but basically, the, the character and the attitude is, is really important. I totally us. agree. So, all right. That's that's, that's kind of all we have. <laughs> Thanks uh, for joining us today, guys, and I really appreciate it. You if, guys survived last for almost one hour, twenty right, minutes. Exactly, and and if you've missed any of this, uh, we have a podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts that you can subscribe to, uh, and if you like it, do give your ratings and do share with your friends. We're mm. definitely hoping to start more conversations with this. Mm. So, all right. That's it for tonight, guys. Thanks for joining us. Maybe we'll see you in the next time again with another cool topic. All right. See you. See you guys. Good night.